You're listening to Soho Radio's Culture Channel. On SohoRadioLondon.com. Listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Selena Godden and I'm here in the studio with Matt Abbott. And we've got very special guests and got an absolutely amazing Black History Month special for you this month. We have special guests from, and we'll be hearing from Rick Dove. Say hello, Rick. And we'll also be hearing from Tija Jim. Okay, so just to get you in the mood, let's go. Let's hear a little bit of Marlena Shaw and let's go to the ghetto. Tell me legislator 
I'm Selena Godden. We are here in the studio at Soho Radio. And uh, this is the Roaring Twenties radio show. I'm here with Matt Abbott. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing great and I hope that you're all doing fine. It's a beautiful orange Octobery day. Halloween is round the corner. Since the last time I was in the studio, we've got like a king. We've got no prime minister. We've got a new <laughs> chancellor. I have no idea what's actually going on in the world. But the one thing I can absolutely depend on is it is definitely nearly Halloween and terrifying. It is a little bit weird. It is a little bit weird. And you'll notice that Rose isn't here today. I think it's the first time yeah, she's not been in the studio. It's the first time. By the way, what um, number are we on? What number show is this? This is episode 30. This is episode 30. We yeah. have now made 30 programmes. That's amazing. 60 hours of very good things. Very good things. Producers. Roaring for art and culture. Roaring for books and poetry. Roaring in the 20s. Probably closer to the roaring as in crying, as in roaring, <laughs> as in roaring. <laughs> Yeah, it was a nice, soft little title when we picked it in 2019. It was like, oh yeah, Roaring Twenties. And yeah. obviously, as it's turned out, it's been... Roar! 
Roaring Twenties. Roaring Twenties Radio! Yeah, Rosie's in Paris at the moment. Yeah. And uh, it was Freeze Out Week recently as well. So she's Yeah, so when she comes house. back in November, she's going to have so much good stuff to tell us. She's out and about being uh, and recording things and seeing all the art with all her eyes. And I'm looking forward to what she's got to share. Yeah. Um, so, how have you been since we last uh, made this show? I missed the last one with COVID. You That's still did. a thing. That's I thought it had gone. I thought everything was fine. Oh. No, all, all good, thanks. I'm enjoying being a dad, which is a bit crazy. Oh. Um, but and very you happy. actually named your son after the show. You called your son Rory. Yeah, Rory. Rory in <laughs> 20s Radio. It sounds pretty similar, don't you think? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, Rory. Uh, yeah, good, thanks. How about yourself? You've been you've been busy? Oh, I've been busy as a busy bee. You know me. I never sit still. It's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks. It was Frankfurt Book Fair this week. Yeah. And there was a big announcement. Was there? There was. What was that? I got a three book deal with Candidate Books. Actually, I mean, it's it's definitely a dream come true and something that I have been working on for 30 years. So dreams do come true. Do not give up. Persist, persist, persist. I am evidence of that. If nothing else. Persistence. Absolutely. (laughs) Persistent. She was persistent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's nice, isn't it? Um, So... We have some beautiful guests in the studio with us. We have Tisha Jin and we have Rick Dove. Just in case you're not familiar with Keeping the House, which has been an absolutely storming it, winning all the things, nominated for loads of things. Tisha Jin is an interdisciplinary artist from North London, a London's Writers award winning. Her work has been published by Extra Teeth and Skin Deep and commissioned by Battersea Arts Centre and St Paul's Cathedral. I'll put my teeth back in. She's an alumnus of the Barbican Young Poets. And uh, yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? I was, I'll, I'll ask you about that a bit later. Mm. Um, and she now creates digital art as part of Design Yourself, a collective based at the Barbican Centre. She is exploring what it means to be human when technology is changing everything. She's a producer and DJ. She's releasing an EP, Keeping the House, to accompany her debut novel of the same name. Welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio. Thank you. So, so lovely to be here. I I actually listened to this show, so, yeah, I feel... It's a nice full circle moment. Oh, well, welcome, yeah. welcome, and congratulations welcome. Congratulations on the book, too. I know, isn't that I'm cool? becoming a father. That's amazing. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, what, what pleasant news. I was um, I, I was speaking to Selena just recently about how you you know you had your memoir lined up and I'd be ready to go so I'm happy happy for you. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's going to be a busy busy winter writing, um, but I like that. I like to hibernate in the winter. Are you seasonal with your writing? Do you? Um, I always like I'll go like two weeks on, two weeks off. So I'll rest for two weeks and I'll like, oh, wow. have a little burst. That's yeah. good. Impressive. Oh, I try anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like two weeks on, two years off sometimes. That's pretty good. So, Matt, do you want to introduce Rick? We also have Rick Dove. Once voted most likely to start the revolution, Woo! Rick is a queer and neurodivergent poet and activist from southwest London. Born in the socialist utopia of Tooting at the end of Generation X, Rick has witnessed the effects of both increasing multiculturalism and gentrification of the capital. And as such, his work reflects on both societal and personal change and how these two cardinal forces interact as we grow. 
exploring themes of social justice, philosophy and identity, and drawing on science, fact and fiction, folklore and mythology, with no small measure of mischief and provocation. Mick interrog... Uh, Rick, I, did, I got so far without saying a word wrong, and then I said Mick instead of Rick. Rick interrogates the liminal spaces that define our common humanity. That's a pretty good intro, isn't it, Rick? I like that. It's good. Oh, thanks. Um, no, thanks for having me. It's going to be great, I think. You tick a lot of boxes. You're a revolutionary socialist. You're queer. You're a football fan. You're a wonderful <laughs> poet. You're a punk. You're, t- you're just... A, a, I'm very excited that you're here. I'm a middle child as well, so I think it's that. Just used to being liminal spaces. So. <laughs> you're a middle child as well. I'm yeah. a middle child. Yeah. Oh, solidarity with all middle children that are listening right now. <laughs> yeah, and that relates to your... Because you published a collection in 2020 called Tales from the Other Box. Um, and that related to that sort of middle child fi- feeling of being othered. And yeah, yeah, which uh, I wanted to talk to you about later on as well. So yeah, we're in for a pretty good ride. We are. We're in for a really good ride. What? Let's have a bit of music. And um, who are we having next? Uh, Erica Badu. Oh, and Erica Badu's on her way to London. I'm going to try yeah. and get tickets to that. Do you want to go together? I'd love to. I'm shooting. I'm working that weekend. Oh my god! I'm gosh. so sad. My friend's DJing that night. No way. Yeah. No yeah. way. Say hello when you see her. Yeah, I'd love to see her in real life. That'd be amazing. Okay, let's have a bit of Erica. Come on, let's get that witchy witchy thing going on. More action. More excitement. More everything.
Responsible for lost articles and things. Oh. oh, okay. So whenever he say a key word, everybody just shout on cue. Y'all listening That's to? That's not oh, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, jumped the gun. Uh, y'all listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio, broadcasting live from London and around the world. If you want to find us on social media, it's at Roaring Twenties Radio, and the twenties is two zero s. There we go. So, um, both of our guests were gigging last night. Rick, how was your gig? My gig was absolutely fantastic. It was a uh, queer and disabled cabaret um, down in Croydon as part of a festival that they're doing down there for inclusivity. And, um, yeah, very lewd and very amusing. Um, but, yeah, really good fun. Very late night as well. Yeah? Yeah. Well, well done coming into the studio and looking so fresh-faced then. How do you do it? That's a really good lie. I don't feel fresh iced. <laughs> no one can see. It's fine. Um, but yeah, that was really good fun. We had good food drinks afterwards and yeah, got in late. Very good. Very good. And what was the venue? Where were you? We're in this fantastic venue co- called The Front Room in uh, Croydon, which is in a disused sort of shopping centre. Um, wow. And it's been sort of just converted into the, the sort of cabaret kind of space. Cool. Nice bar, um, very well laid out, fully accessible. Yeah, fantastic space. Yeah, because I'm so interested in that, the way new venues are springing up and the way... That's fantastic. OK, I'll keep out an eye out for things happening there. Have you got any other gigs coming up? Um, actually, uh, been really really busy this year so this kind of is the last knockings i've got a gig on the 30th in lewis uh, for black history month for their council but other than that um so going to be hunkering down and hibernating for the winter doing yeah, a bit of writing same same and then yeah. picking it up again in the spring yeah yeah that's that's what i always do i like to think of myself as a daffodil i kind of hide and then when the daffodils come back i start gigging again yeah mm. Mm. and how about your gig last night how, how did your gig go tisha uh, it went really well, thank you. Um, you do look very fresh faced, by the way. <laughs> you both do, my gosh. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Daffodil. <laughs> um, my gig yesterday was the launch of an interdisciplinary platform of mine called Neoprene Genie. I've like I've had that name trademarked for a while as my like label that I put music out through, but now I'm starting to do more events and. It was my bookie anniversary. So oh wow! Congratulations. We had a lovely time. Thank you. Very good. It was very a really good. beautiful lineup yesterday as well. Like 
Lakehead, um, Mandisa Rapena, Annie Hater, uh, Sara El Harak, who's an amazing DJ, a singer, a rapper, and poet as well, and MIC. Rahida Suleiman, yeah, it was a great lineup. And that wow. looked like a really interesting venue. Where was where was your gig last night? It was at a reference point, which is a library. Amazing. So it's, um, and then uh, in the evening, you can just like move the chairs out of the way, and it becomes like I think a really intimate, nice space. So very fresh. You know, doors are right there, so I don't. I feel like comfortable, like the doors open, and yeah, it's just really nice. Uh, the Marlowe, who's the programmer there, he is very interested in programming more things that explore poetry and literature. So it's an exciting time for them. I'm I'm really intrigued by what they have going on. Cool, cool, cool. So we all need to keep an eye on that. So that's called Ref... Reference Point. It's just by Temple Station. Yeah, yeah, I was looking at it on the map. I was like, wow, I haven't heard... And again, another venue. Interesting. Good, good. We need spaces where people can bring their work and beautiful, beautiful creations. Yeah, you can close venues down and and buy them out or whatever, but artists will always find somewhere to create a space... And I, I love the repurposing of venues like the old shopping centre or, or, or just an alternative use for the library. I love how that happens. No matter what, it keeps, it always keeps developing and adjusting. Because mm. as, as I mentioned in your intro, London is changing so rapidly. All over London, isn't it? So it's great to see. So is there any, any gigs or any shows that people can come and see you? Um, I'm on radio end of November with uh, Nasty Poet on Foundation FM. And... But same here, hunkering down for winter. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be super broke in about a week's time anyway. <laughs> I've got a, I'm shutting out for my music video. Um, so after that, I'm just going to literally, like, no one will be seeing me <laughs> until, like, January, yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. Actually, do you have a radio show? I heard somewhere that you have a show that you do yourself. Yeah, I have a show called Home in Tunes with Tisha. I'm having a little break just um, to sort out my EP, um, but it's a, it's a great show. Usually, I'll get people to send me in poems or voice notes or songs inspired by their sense of home. Um, so, like, I've had Boyega send me in like a a four a.m. voice note, Boyega or the banjo, or a four a.m. voice note of him getting home drunk from going out. No, that counts. <laughs> like, that works for the view. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we like lots of mixing. Um, usually, I play my songs on there as well. So like, whenever I'm on radio, that's a good time to hear something of mine before I put it out. I'll usually play like the whole thing through and mm. let's make little Easter eggs. Nice, <laughs> really you. nice. So I want to ask you a question. So something that um, that I really admire about you is is this you know this sort of idea of choice. And um, when I was a young young we're reckon 1943 when I was first sort of making work I sort of felt very much that I had to choose that I couldn't be writing prose as well as doing poetry as well as doing music as well as making radio I just want to ask you because you know you're the next generation how difficult has it been to choose or are you asked to choose or are people letting you have that freedom to do you know whatever where your creativity is taking you that's a really nice question I feel lucky because I've always had people that I can look towards who have been doing that, like yourself, um, Roger Robinson. He was like, I went to this art acceleration mini course day when I was 10 years ago when I, when I was uh, 20. Um, and he basically 
brief me on how I need to just experiment a bit and try different things, put out the album. You don't have to make that choice. And that's the, I don't think you do have to make that choice. But, I mean, there's a lot of pushback, though. Like publishers push back, agents push back, your audience push back, your family push back. But if it's something so pleasurable that you can't avoid it, then, I, you know, you have to seek it out and follow that thing within you mm. it's that thing of you know following your heart and uh, making things for the art of it for the love of it for the passion of it um, and then the people that you know will cherry pick what they want like some people might prefer the novel and some people might prefer the music and you can't please all the people all the time isn't it yeah definitely as long as you're pleasing yourself and you can like look yourself in the mirror and feel like you've honored yourself with what you want to say mm-hmm. and how you wanted to say it yeah, I find it very powerful. It's something I really admire about you. Thank you. Likewise. Oh, <laughs> that was a soft moment. Let's have some music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a track by Harry J. Allstars called Liquidator, and I proper love it.
that track it, I love it I've got it on vinyl and I do, I, sometimes I just stick it on like five or six times in a row it's brilliant and every time you hear it um, so I'm going to give you my roundup of events now uh, spoken word and poetry events around the UK spoken word and poetry are the same things aren't they really I'm just sort of playing to the crowd by calling it two different things um, so tonight if you are up north at Off The Shelf Festival you can see Linton Quasi Johnson uh, at Firth, Firth, Firth Hall it's £10 slash £8 if you get a chance to see Linton you've got to see him mm. uh, tomorrow down here in London uh, Jordance and Bloomsbury Festival are putting on an event at St Giles it's free you can see Casey Bailey and Annalisa Amoa and Yomi Sode on hosting duties so that's tomorrow tomorrow afternoon uh, about 2 o'clock 2 till 4 I think it is on Thursday, the 27th of October, uh, Word are presenting a Black History Month special at the Attenborough Art Centre in Leicester with Fred Dagar. That's four slash seven pounds. Friday, the 28th, uh, in Derby, Wordwise are pairing up with Bad Betty. So we love Bad Betty. They're one of the best poetry pressers and they're on tour at the moment. So Friday, the 28th, in Derby, it's Roy McFarlane. Uh, plus support which is fantastic and you can get tickets for three pounds on the early bird at the moment so do get your skates on if you want to go to that thursday the third of november in stroud as part of stroud book festival you can see john agard for 10 pounds at the sub rooms ballroom in stroud there's all the, all the big names around at the moment aren't they yeah. friday the fourth of november hit the ode in birmingham at the hippodrome so we've got yummy sod uh so Roy McFarlane, Polar Bear, Cecilia Knapp, a whole host of performers. Wow, that sounds like a big one. Five pounds in advance, eight pounds on the door. So definitely book in advance. Um, Tuesday, the 8th of November in Manchester, Derek Awusu is at Waterstones mm. Deansgate. That's only a fiver. Sorry for the Mancunia accent there. I can't <laughs> help it. I'm from Yorkshire, so I have to mock. Uh, Thursday, the 10th of November in Notting Hill, down here in London. It's at the Coronet Theatre Bar, the Poetry Club, with Jason Alan Pacent and Mona Arshi. I don't know how much the ticket prices are, because when I clicked on the ticket link, the page was broken. But just turn up in Notting Hill. You'll get in. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them I sent you. Tell them I sent you. Friday, they won't know who I am. Friday, the 11th of November, uh, Yomi uh, is is in Bath at Topping & Co. Booksellers of Bath um, with his new collection, Mannerism. That's Friday, the mm. 11th of November in Bath. And then finally, Thursday, the 17th of November, Chelping at the Leeds Library, Cecilia Knapp plus Romy Smith plus Open Mic hosted by me. And that's a fiver. So that's 10 events over the next few weeks featuring some wonderful black poets slash spoken word artists. So some recent releases that I want to talk about. Uh, Roy McFarlane published Living by Troubled Waters on Nine Arches Press on National Poetry Day, which was very recently, the 6th of October. Living by Troubled Waters is the third poetry collection by Roy McFarlane, an extraordinary, uncompromising book exploring slavery, colonialism and the continued tragedies visited upon black bodies whilst these legacies remain unresolved. In his close examination of the horror of racialized violence, Macfarlane examines how the strong currents of the past and present flow side by side. His poems ask us to think about the black Mediterranean of today as much as we do about the Windrush scandal and the aftershocks of transatlantic slavery, where black people are still imprisoned, enslaved and drowned as they flee persecution and poverty. Living by troubled waters is innovative, formally experimental and far-ranging in scope, Erasure and inclusion poems interweave and speak to the wider body of the collection. In his use of archival documents as a space for activism and linguistic intervention, Macfarlane writes back into history, reclaiming voices and reshaping narratives. His poems also draw strength from the themes of place and displacement, social justice, black motherhood, family, art, and from the power of poetry itself as a witness to troubled times. Sounds quite good, that. Yeah, it sounds amazing. 
So that's out now on Nine Arches Press for ten ninety nine. Mark, Mr. T. Thompson published more mixed messages on Burning Eye on the 26th of October. More mixed messages is courageous, unflinching, authentic, informed and indefatigable. Mark doesn't look away or speak in whispers. The work sits well in the rich vein of protest poetry, confronting the reader and society with visceral truths wrapped in humour and righteous anger. Mark compels the reader to the centre of the most heightened moments, to inhabit the hard questions about themselves, about life, about society, to hear the words as they, as they read, to feel them as they're heard, asserting the questions, am I in or out of the system? What am I made of? Do I contribute to this? If not me, then who? More mixed messages reminds us of the storytellers and activists who have spoken through the ages. The affairs of state are the affairs of people. Yes, the people must have a voice and their injustices will be heard. So that's more mixed messages out now on Burning Eye. Tyrone Horton uh, published publishes Hoods with Verve Poetry Press on the 11th of November, so you can pre-order that now. Hoods is for the boys without permission to be children, privy to life's ills way too soon. To men who were never taught how to be. Trying on roles to see what fits, to see who we are. Fathers learning on the job how to father their cubs and also themselves. Doing all you can to protect their futures from your past, all whilst being black. These poems explore childhood, manhood and fatherhood. About how the quality of the former affects the latter. May all your hoods be beautiful. So that is Tyrone's debut collection and it's out on the 11th of November with, Ber uh, with Verve. Uh, the penultimate book I'm going to mention is Sophia Kamara Kinshasa with Kane, Corn and Gully. That is out on Outspoken on the 17th of November. It's the Poetry Book Society Winter Choice. Um, Kane, Corn and Gully is a genealogical and autobiographical collection which unites dance and poetry to observe, question and ruminate on what it means to adopt, perform and pass down the notion of black West Indian femininity. Using labination... Uh, Labonitation and rhythm to analyse movement from Caribbean dance dancers to movements carried out in everyday rituals, Kinshasa uses these motifs as a form of cartography for the poems. Kane, Corn and Gully interrogate survival, sexual exploitation, race, gender and class and invests in a unique discourse on the violence inflicted on the black female body, historically and presently. It explores the meaning of movement in oppressive ideological structures and serves to vindicate the rebellious acts of black women past, present and yet to come. And then finally, I want to mention uh, an anthology which was actually published by Flipped Eye back in August, um, but I want to shout about it. It's called Before Them, We, and it was edited by Ruth Satoye and Jacob Samler-Rose. Before Them, We is an anthology that explores the lives of grandparents and elders before the families they went on to establish, digging deep into those narratives of their lives that are lesser known, who they loved, where and why they migrated, why they had families. The result of a collaborative effect of poets of African descent to bring their personal stories in conversation with each other, the anthology is a poetic, poetic meditation on how we engage with the practice of memory. And it features 24 outstanding artists, ranging from uh, Jiffa Benson to Inua Ellums. It looks wonderful, and it's on Flipped Eye, and it's 11.99. And then finally, I just want to mention a few... Uh, I just want to signpost you to a few places on the internet. So, as always, Poets Corner on blackhistorymonth.org is a wonderful resource of video... Uh, written poems, audio clips, news articles, profiles. It's a really fantastic resource um, that builds and builds every year. So that's Poets Corner at the blackhistorymonth.org website. Um, there's also a, a stunning collection of poems and poets at the Poetry Foundation website. So poetryfoundation.org, they've got a big collection called Celebrating Black History Month. 
Um, if you are in London, you can check out Poets Corner at the Crossrail Place Roof Gardens in Canary Wharf. So they've been doing workshops and events every Saturday in October. But there's also um, poetry on display and there's a poetry vending machine as well. So you can get poems from the vending machine printed out, which is nice. Um, Felly Speaks did a great interview for Image magazine. Uh, so Felly Speaks is a wonderful poet and artist and, and figure. You can uh, find that at image.ie. And then finally, Raymond Antrobus, he released a spoken word album called The First Time I Wore Hearing Aids. It's produced by Grammy award-winning music producer Ian Brennan. It's available on Bandcamp and we're actually going to play one of those tracks now. So this is from Raymond's uh, album. It is the opening track and I hope you enjoy Dear Hearing World, after Denez Smith. I have left Earth in search of sound or orbits. A solar system where the space between a star and a planet isn't empty. I have left a white beard of noise in my place, and many of you won't know the difference. We are indeed the same volume. All of us eventually fade. I have left Earth in search of an audible God, I do not trust the sound of yours. You wouldn't recognize my grandmother's hallelujah if she had to sign it. You would have made her sit on her hands and put a ruler in her mouth as if measuring her distance from holy. Take your God back. Though his songs are beautiful, they are not loud enough. I want the fate of Lazarus for every deaf school you've closed. Every deaf child whose confidence has gone to a silent grave. Every British Sign Language user who has seen the annihilation of their language. I want these ghosts to haunt your tongue-tied hands. I have left earth i am equal part sick of your oh i'm hard of hearing too just because you've been on an airplane and suffered head colds your voice has always been the loudest sound in the room I call you out for refusing to acknowledge sign language in classrooms, for assessing deaf students on what they can't say instead of what they can. We did not ask to be part of the hearing world. I can't hear my joints crack, but I can feel them. I am sick of sounding out your rules. You tell me I breathe too loud and it's rude to make noise when I eat. Sent me to speech therapist, said I was speaking a language of holes. I was pronouncing what I heard, but your judgment made all my syllables disappear. Your magic master trick hearing world, drowning out the quiet, bursting all speech bubbles in my graphic childhood. You were glad to benefit from audio supremacy. I tried hearing people, I tried to love you, but you laughed at my deaf grammar. I used commas not full stops because everything I said kept running away. I mulled over long paragraphs because I didn't know what a natural break sounded like. You erased what could have always been poetry. You taught me I was inferior to standard English expression. I was a broken speaker. You were never a broken interpreter. Taught me my speech was dry for someone who should sound like they're underwater. And it took years to talk with a straight spine and mute red marks on the coursework you assigned. Deaf voices go missing like sound in space and I have left Earth to find them. York City by way of Montego Bay, Jamaica. Please give it up for Stacey Ann Chin. If only out of vanity I have wondered what kind of woman I will be when I am well past the summer of my raging youth. Will I still be raising revolutionary flags and making impassioned speeches that stir up anger in the hearts of pseudo-liberals dressed in navy blue conservative wear? In those years when I am grateful I still have a good sturdy bladder that does not leak undigested prune juice onto diapers no longer adorable, will I be more grateful for that? 
than for any forward movement in any current political cause. And will it have been worth it then? Will it have been worth the long hours of not sleeping that produced little more than reams of badly written verses that catapulted me into literary spasms, but did not even whet the appetite of the three o'clock crowd in the least respected of the New York poetry cafes? Will I wish then that I had taken that job working at the bank or the one to watch that old lady drool all over her soft boiled eggs as she tells me how she was a raving beauty in the 60s, how she could have had any man she wanted, but she chose the one least likely to succeed. And that's why when the son of a bitch died, she had to move into this place because it was government subsidized. <laughs> Will I tell my young attendant how slender I was then and paint pictures of the young me more beautiful than I ever was, if only to make her forget the shriveled paper skin, the stained but even dental plates, and the faint smell of urine that tends to linger in places built especially for revolutionaries whose causes have been won or forgotten. Will I still be lesbian then? Or will the church or family finally convince me to marry some man with a smaller dick than the one my woman uses to afford me violent and multiple <laughs> orgasms? Will the staff smile at me? humor my eccentricities to my face, but laugh at me in their private resting room saying, she must have been something in her day. And most days, most days I do not know what I will be like then, but every day, every single day, I know what I want to be now. I want to be that voice that makes Giuliani so scared. He hires two butch black bodyguards. I want to write the poem that the New York Times will not print because it might start some kind of black or lesbian or even a white revolution. I want to go to secret meetings and under the guise of female friendship, I want to beg the women of those young and eager revolutionaries with too much zeal for their cause and too little passion for the women who follow them from city to city all the while waiting in separate rooms. I want to be 40 years old and weigh 300 pounds and ride a motorcycle in the wintertime, four hell-raising children and a 110-pound female lover who writes poetry about my life and my children and loves me like no one has ever loved me before. I want to be the girl your parents will use as a bad example of a lady. I want to be the guy who likes to fuck men. I want to be the politician who never lies. I'd like to be that girl who never ever cries. I want to go down in history in a chapter marked miscellaneous because the writers could find no other way to categorize me in this world where classification is key. I want to erase the straight lines so I can be me. So that second poem was Stacey Ann Chin with If Only Out of Vanity, live on Def Jam. And before that, you heard Raymond Antrobus from his new album, The First Time I on Love Hearing Aids. I love both of those. I love both of those. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks for bringing them in, Matt. They were phenomenal. And now we're going to have a track from Little Sims. This is called Point and Kill. <laughs> Oh, you can't 
Little Sims with Point and Kill from her album. Sometimes I might be introvert. If you've not heard that yet, what are you playing at? Um, so now Rick Dove is a poet and he is in the studio right now and he has his collection, some Tales from the Other Box, with him. So I think it would be lovely for you to perform a poem if you'd be up for it. Woo-hoo! Okay, yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to go <laughs> with um, a poem which I'm sure will get retired at some point, but this is not the year. So um, this is called The Chat. I heard it first at seven, the day they called me Gollywog. And as the word passed these lips to meet mum's ear, a tear. And every time since then I'm back there, little boy lost there, wondering when I will grow up, praying and praying and praying like that was ever enough, that this world will too. Strange then that this was too my childhood's very end there in an 80s living room as mum and dad and I have the chat. And my dad tells the tale, regales it again and again in his final days about his early years on this isle, how only black in the village was actually a thing, and how it was him, and how on a summer's day no more than eight policemen at the gate came to tell his mum he couldn't go to the corner shop alone again. He hadn't stolen anything, but the shopkeeper, like so many back then, wasn't one for details except the simple single one that still holds us back. So later that evening, Granny and Grandad give my eight-year-old dad the chat. And I rehearse it with a girlfriend. Same night as our first tiff, late on a date about 2003, the year, not the hour, as she suggests we hail a cab. And her privilege hits me there, hits me square, hits me full force in the derriere. I won't be able to flag one here, I snap, snarky, inferring, maybe it should be you in the flooded gutter in your good shoes. And later that evening, as I'm cleaning her boots, she and I have the chat. 
because that's how it's been for generations. Parents to their children, star-crossed lovers in explanation, in conversation after conversation, explaining how being black while having some advantages will get you treated as lesser by some, will make you a target to some, will put you in the crosshairs of some. And this is something a quartet of Carl Lewis, Linford Christie, Usain Bolt and Jesse Owens can't outrun. It's a baton that we're still passing. And this is me to you, my son. Because that's how I have to give it to my boy. Saying, I hope this world will grow so you never truly know that feeling of being so conspicuous and yet so small. Of representing an entire skin tone all on your own alone because I know whenever you feel the weight of that, it'll crush you flat. And you deserve to be on show only when you choose to be. And now you're fully grown and in possession of our truth. I know you will guard it well until it is due. But I also hope and pray, like that's ever been enough, that this ends with you. And hopefully one day a black man merely standing on a stage or putting a pen to a page will stop being a political act. But until then, we'll have the chat. Wow, wonderful. Mm. Thank you very much for sharing that. Thank you. It's beautiful. Um, wow. That yeah. was beautiful. It really was. I can't, I can't speak. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and reading that for us, Rick. Thank you. I've been, I've been wondering, like, uh, as amongst many things, you're like a, a revolution, a revolutionary socialist punk poet, and I'm curious to know how you manage the relationship between your poetry and the political, particularly in the last six years, partly from a creative point of view and also just in terms of self-care as well? Um, it's difficult. I mean, I'm, like, I've got projects on the go at the moment and um, like lots of work to do and you want to scream at the Tory party, can you just sort yourselves out so I don't have to keep watching the news? <laughs> um, but it's, I think it's that thing of being in a sort of liminal space throughout my entire life, a middle child, um, my mum's from the West Indies and mixed race. My dad is from West Africa. They met in the UK. Um, so I kind of feel like I've got a sort of liminal position, sort of a transatlantic black kind of thing. Um, and then I'm a middle child, um, bisexual, uh, neurodivergent um, situation going on. I think it's all these kind of internal tensions. You There are lots of things that you can kind of ignore in this world. You can kind of go, oh, well, you know, that's not really my issue at the moment. Somebody else can deal with that. Um, but race and class have a kind of, um, they run a fault line through me. So there's a kind of tension. So you don't really have a choice. There's kind of like, this has to be resolved. Otherwise I just can't rest. So then you, you end up talking about it quite a lot and doing quite a lot about it. Um, so yeah, that's where it kind of comes from. Wow. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot lately about the difference in my writing. I just want to ask both of you actually, you know, the difference between writing from a place of creation and writing from a place of reaction. As I, I always think it's, a, it, you know, because there is so much noise and there is so much terrifying stuff going on. So can you talk to me about how you both navigate that? How you, how, the difference between it, or maybe you don't, maybe you can compartmentalise that difference between writing that's coming from response, anger, reaction, or the writing that's coming as new, fresh, and untainted by, by or, or, or informed by the world. I, I got into a habit of doing um, walk. So I have this thing when I do a sort of workshops, I always like to say to people that everybody walks past. If you live in a city, everybody will walk past a thousand stories a day. You just don't tend not to notice them. Um, 
so it's just about sort of keeping your eyes open and taking inspiration where you can find it i also like to play little prompt games with myself mm -hmm. um just to generate new things but yeah very often you get that robert frost thing a poet starts as sorry a poem starts as a lump in the throat and it's something that you just have to react to yeah um and that's nice because that gives you energy to like start it and finish it in one setting very often when you sort of generate stuff off the off the cuff when you're sort of really really creative it's kind of like i so nearly got a poem there but i'll have to leave it for a couple of weeks until i've got enough and then you come back to it and then kind of think but you know when you're reacting it's going to be sort of one or two hours first draft yeah it has to go from the gut you couldn't sit down and like methodically react to everything now could you You'd just be exhausted it just so i guess you you know in yourself when it okay now it's time for this okay how, how about yourself tj um that was a beautiful reading by the way it was really immersive just wanted to say that first. I um uh, the other day uh, I, I was actually with Selena um, and Cortez Newland gave a, a reading from a river called Time, and he was talking about how there's a section of the book where it's um, hyper magnified everything that's happening in real time that he saw on uh, newspaper headlines and. Uh, what somebody had on their phone while he was standing still on the train, stuff like this. He was just writing it straight into the book. And sometimes I see that as a great writing practice myself. Um, a lot of keeping the house was stuff that I literally transcribed and then flipped into fiction. Um, like, like Rick's saying, like, as a kind of a writing prompt. I, um, but in terms of my feelings... My feelings are raw when I take note of them in my phone or my notebook. By the time I get to the upload stage, which is on my laptop or computer um, in the library, something like that, um, I am a bit more divorced from the feelings. And so it feels more creation mode at that stage. Mm. The reaction's in the initial notes. Mm. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's filtered and processed and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, because I mean that was what uh, that's something that keeps going round and round in my head lately. It's like imagine what we would be writing if we didn't have to keep writing these really angry things, fierce things, <laughs> political things, things coming from a place of fear, a, a place of injustice, a place of um, wanting to be heard. Um, I mean, imagine imagine how lovely it would be to be writing from a place where you feel safe. Mm. Have you got any thoughts on that? <laughs> so funny you say that. That's like the whole premise of my second novel. <laughs> <laughs> ah, see, telepathy. <laughs> I can read your thoughts. Yeah. As, as always. <laughs> um, I, I am asking myself a lot recently, like, how do you create a safe space for yourself mm. with, with your writing? What can you do? Yeah. Um, I had a mentor once who said, like, do you need the doors to be locked when you're writing? Do you need to... Um, make sure that someone's with this person that you don't want around you and they've kind of chaperoned them away from you like what do you need to do to create like yeah day, like yourself? day you take your armor off yeah yeah and be soft like uh the animal that keeps coming to mind is armadillo i picture myself as an armadillo <laughs> very much at the moment like i kind of curl up in a little ball and write my notes and no one can see me in my little my little shelled ball um and then i kind of come out and do a gig but i've very much got my armor on mm. um this kind of idea of being armored 
Um, do you feel like that when you do gigs? When you walk on stage, both of you, all three of you, do you feel like when you go on stage you've got armour on, or do you feel like you've, you're you're quite vulnerable on stage? What's your what's your feeling? I don't know. I think I got. I, I think you start off. I think very much feeling like you're very exposed, but I think there was a moment, sort of maybe about a year, maybe two years in of performing, that I suddenly realised that I felt really at home on a stage. Mm-hmm. And actually, then it started to become awkward when there were things like, oh, there's only two people in the audience rather than 20. And then that became awkward. And so this is this is awkward because this is kind of awkward for them more than it is for me. Um, so, yeah, I think you kind of get the armor from experience, I think. Mm. It's kind of like, um, I think you really do need to screw up a few times as well. I mm. think like dying on stage is, is something which everyone has to go through you have to pay your dues and you have to forget your lines and you have to go down really badly and you have to I mean I've had things thrown at me on occasion um, <laughs> so yeah you, you, you once you've gone really once you've gone really badly it's just like how badly can this go and what's yeah. the worst that can happen and then I think you feel kind of yeah armored by that yeah I think one of my um one of my camouflages is using humor and sort of being you know making it into sort of a sort of almost a comedy show and we're hiding hiding what I'm really trying to say and and some of the so it means in in my career a lot of the more sensitive and tender work kind of gets hidden by the more brassy jokey comedy poems um mm. I've always found it a bit of a struggle actually to sort of do the more softer gentle tender work hmm armor it's interesting isn't it what we're doing is so vulnerable and sharing our work um yeah how about yourself uh, tj i i'm very intentional about the spaces that i agree to go into like i have to know that there are people in there who i completely trust otherwise i will not deliver any work at all i've turned down i turned down gigs a lot and that's why people don't see me that often in the year um, it does mean that I can't make my bread and butter boosted, not not holy. And no one can hold it. Maybe, maybe, but um, it does mean that I lose out on money, and so I need to have a day job that sustains me. But I would just would rather not be in certain spaces, and I take great pleasure in saying no, um, and then saying yes to things like this. Like uh, you know, the, uh, Selena asking me to come in. I was like, yeah, it's you, and I'm happy to, happy to. You've got to create something for you that makes you feel able to take the arm off. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that this is a space that you've trusted. Yeah, yeah, I feel yes. honoured. It's good to see you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We Absolutely. are special. You better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you both are. Tell oh. Erica. Erica Badu. Tell Erica it's a special place. <laughs> okay, um, we're going to have a track now. This was chosen by Rick and... Uh, I doesn't really need much introduction. It's Ghost Town by The Specials.
back. Hello, my name's Selena Godden, and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. It's now time for my little section. I've got so many um, books to tell you about. I've made a bumper list of beautiful and brilliant books, over a hundred books for Black History Month. Um, some are recent reads, some are new obsessions. Some of them are friends of Roaring Twenties Radio, guests that we've had, and books that we've been talking about, plus some unforgettable classic reads. So here's some inspirational works, powerful poets, bold new voices, classic literature, mind-blowing storytellers, memoirists, essayists, activists. Here are some of my literary heroes. So you can check out all of these titles if you go to um, bookshop.org and you'll find my bookshop there where I've put this list up. So I'm just going to talk you through some of the people that I wanted to put on this list. Please buy these books, read the work, follow these um, amazing authors and writers, not just for Black History Month, but all year around read broadly read widely read greedily oh the places each of these books will take you enjoy 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 okay so let's go in so the first book i want to tell you about is the story of the jamaican people now this is by hazel bennett and philip sherlock now this was a book that meant so much to me um it was published around 1990s at 1997 maybe and now this was the book that my grandparents made me sort of made me read it was sort of kept in our house almost like a bible and this was the book where I first really understood my rich ancestry about the Arawak Indians and the Maroons and Nanny of the Maroons this book is absolutely incredible it's a big fat book and it's just an amazing reference of Jamaican history so if you can dig that book out and have it it's just something where you can just like dip back into it Another book that um, is in this list is How Long Till Black Future Month by N.K. Jemisin. Um, also, um, recently just out is Home Is Not A Place. That's Roger Robinson and Johnny Pitts. That is looking like an incredible book. It's on my to-be-read pile. It's brand new. I think it only came out this week. Um, Losing the Plot, Derricka Owusu. Passing, Nella Larson. They just recently made a movie of that. I think it's fascinating. Also, Out just now is Rosewater a novel by Liv Little beautiful cover by the way so look out for that that's brand new Mannerism Yomi Sod I think we've uh, we've we've been talking about he's got some amazing gigs and that's just come out and that there's a lot of buzz around that book so get your hands on that just won the Booker Prize, The Seven Moons of Marla Almeida and that's been uh, and that's uh, Shehan Karunatikalaka I'm really sorry if I've got that wrong. But yeah, anyway, the Booker Prize winner, go, 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 Sri Lankan writer, absolutely amazing. Um, and, and so we should all like get behind that and have a read of that because I saw on Twitter that some people weren't very pleased with who won and so we should all back it and read it out of spite okay tony morrison recative um is on the list the color purple classic alice walker but book that probably changed my life actually rainbow milk paul mendez the curious tale of lady caribou by Catherine johnson obviously that's been made into a movie and um, and just a fascinating look at historical black people and um just 
amazing really that that famous painting that's up in Kenwood House and everyone just believed that Belle was the slave when she was actually the cousin and this is just an incredible story so look out for the movie of that and also of course the book written by Catherine Johnson who's just a formidable brilliant writer um, another book I adore Claudia Rankin Citizen and American Lyric um, always go and return over and over again to Zora Neale Hurston um, the, her entire back catalogue is just so fascinating, the way she was writing in her time, trailblazer decades before her time um, Annie John, Jamaica Kincaid, another favourite of mine Sadie Smith, always Sadie Smith Imitations, Six Essays is a good place to start there um, Blacklisted, Black British Culture Explored, that's Jeffrey Boyoke and that's amazing book Book. I could go on. Beryl Gilroy, black teacher, the unsung heroine of um, of um, the unsung heroine, black teacher Beryl Gilroy. Again, another amazing story of a trailblazer and a fantastic book. That's got an amazing introduction by Zadie Smith too. There's Jericho Brown, Audrey Lord. The list is really good here. I'm really proud of this list actually. I've really, I think I've nailed it. Hmm. Colin Grant, um, Homecoming: Voices of the Windrush Generation. Great friend of the um, show repeat beat poet testaments to life and death don't forget that and uh, the 392 Ashley Hickson Lovins mm. and Moonwitch Spider King the Dark Star Trilogy Marlon James and then there's the anthologies um, of which I'm really um, pleased to have been in all three there's the IC3 anthology that came out with Courtier Newland as editor then there's the Fire People which was edited by Lem Sisse and the new generation More Fire which just came out this year so look for those and then also The Good Immigrant of course which was edited by Nikesh Shukla um, and then a book about a book that I've always really loved and it's got a real big place in my heart is Once in a House on Fire which is about growing up um growing up in you know in the 70s and 80s that's by Angela Ashworth and it was a really it's a really important book as a kind of putting a flag I often think of books as a sort of putting a flag in as you climb up the mountain and putting a flag in what it was like to grow up you know under Thatcher and growing up in that generation you know with with some of the things that that Rick was very much talking about in his poem um, and then, of course, Andrea Levy, Small Island, and Dinah Evans, Ordinary People, is brilliant. Um, Black Joy, Season Butler, Signet, Billie Holiday, Lady Sings the Blues, is probably one of my all-time favourite books, actually. Um, I love Billie Holiday, but that the, they actually managed to get a memoir in before she died is just fantastic. And it's such a, again, it's just a, a putting a flag in. It's a, it's a capsule, a time capsule of her story in her own words. I could go on and on, Bernadine Evaristo, um, Patrice Cullors, an abolitionist, <laughs> abolitionist handbook, 12 Steps to Changing Yourself, is a fantastic book. It's really empowering. Then, of course, Mallory Blackman, Noughts and Crosses, and Akala, Natives, um, Don't Touch My Hair, Emma Dabiri. I could go on and on and on and on. Poor Caleb Femi, another brilliant book. Mm. So I want you to go to bookshop.org and look up... Um, my list there's over a hundred books there if you're like i want to support 
black writing i want to support black power i want to support i want to read more i want to understand there's an amazing list there in fact if you look at the list and there's someone you want me to add please um twitter tweet us and i will add i will make this book like the supreme list and i will keep adding 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 and remember black history month but black people aren't just for one month black people forever okay <sighs> now I'm going to take a deep breath. Well done. Are there um, are there any books that you would like to shout out about that came up while I was talking then, Rick or 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 TJ or Matt or anyone? Anything? I think you mentioned. I'm actually reading Mannerism at the moment by Yomi, um, and mm. it, it is absolutely fantastic. So yeah, it's getting it's getting buzz, and it's definitely deserving yeah yeah he's a fantastic poet fantastic yeah. writer and yeah i'm really excited about it any more to add any more to add any more just books? to add to that like the adaptation at south bank was probably one of the best bits of live performance i've seen in years it was just super emotional and special i was sat next to a group of young boys while i was watching yomi and they were just all like, like elbowing each other. Like, oh my god, this is so amazing! What did he just say? That it was just really special. Oh, that's amazing! So, like, especially, I think what he's doing for young black British men is is uh, pivotal. Um, and just to add to that, uh, Boya got a banjo's auntie uncle poems. I think it's sick. It's so cool. It's like just like loads of like people jesting over the table, and, like all of these family politics happening. Um, over the course of one mill and one poem. It's just like so many beautiful poems in there. Um, and uh, Quiet by Victoria Adukwe-Willi. It's, it's really beautiful. And if yeah. we have time later, I've got a poem from it that I'd love to read. Oh, amazing. We'd love that. We'd love that. Well, let's take a little, let's have a little musical interlude, a little bit of music, and then we'll come back with, we'll come back with a reading. How, how about we have a track from TJ? Yeah, good Shall idea. We? Is it about time? Yeah, I reckon man. it is. Yeah, man, okay. yeah, man, yeah, man. Great. Excellent. Here Thank you. Got to come home as far as I hid. Genies under neoprene standing in the light of a bagel shop, table heaped with all we bring. These are the days we never thought we could see. Family in the come up. That's how I look in the mirror and see me. One said I've got to be unapologetically free. So I'm in aseptic, cutting greens with people who saw me from stretch. Damla, damla, bilolur. Drop by drop makes a lake and we filled it up. I'm not lonely at the top, don't leave the ladder pulled up. Learn to love it when they underestimate. Cause they don't look at the world and see what I see. I'm looking back at the people we used to find untouchable. Now they have our shadows and they miss them too. Impossible to imitate, we've lived too fast and change too quick single mum raised what does that mean house party leafleting in wood green ready kitchen raven raised knowing we can't wait to live our bliss under the kitchen table kids we the kids our brothers locked out of sight in the bedroom trust the door will reopen hear the front door shout secrets and that's how kids get to know Never really called a house a home 
Nowhere to play out, no 40-40 home. One touch to my auntie's couch. Ice my brother's eyes, hold my sister's rings. Table heaped with all we bring. We made the legs, we're here. Thirteen in a Matalan's boy's shirt. On the bus, a sitting duck, duck who, devil waiting on his cue. We can't go back, but we can come home. We home and house, home our memories close. We home and house. That was a wonderful track. I'm really glad we could play that. And uh, more, even more excited that we've got you live in the studio. Um, thank you for coming thank in. You. I'm interested about your process and whether you know immediately which form an idea is going to take, i.e. a poem, a song, part of your novel, or whether the idea just runs along for a bit and then you go, OK, and you need to go there. Um, um, sometimes I'll have like multiple apps open at the same time yeah. because my brain just like darts over. And Rick, you were saying before how that it's like it's, it's great to procrastinate between projects. You get something done, right? Um, as in on other projects, as in you put down the novel and go back to your music for a bit, just sort of bounce between them wherever your head wants to go at that time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially, um, I think, with script writing. Because like, I found that there's a lot of stuff that's a bit more plotty that I will remove from my novel and put into a script. Right. Um, and then I also, if I feel like I need to break up my prose a bit, then I'll go onto the script software. Like It kind of helps me um, syncopate my writing, I think. Yeah, using yeah, Using different yeah. apps and moving. Have you yeah. ever had an idea where it's just, it's gone really far down another avenue and you just realise, actually, no, this is a song or this is a... I think you've just had to change course with it or do they sort of move alongside each other? I'm just interested how you organise it. I try and, like, sometimes I'll repeat things. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So there'll be... There's, like, a song on the EP that's um, pretty much a straight poem from the book. Right. But it's just over a beat. And uh, and I think that's just because I want to hear it in a different light, see, see yeah. what it could be if you put it in another room. Wow. I'd like to go on holiday in your head. Sounds, <laughs> sounds amazing. Yeah. All inclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and would you say, like, maybe you've published something, like, released a song, for example, but the idea is still maybe biting away and you need to reimagine it and you need to keep that song? Wow. That Definitely. Awesome. I think, especially when there's, like, stakeholders in what you make. So, right. um,. I feel like keeping the house is very much unfiltered, which I'm really happy about. It's part of the perk of going with such a great indie press um, and having such a great editor. Uh, but then there are still some things that I couldn't put in there and I can put them in a song. Um, some of it is cloaking. I don't know if um, any of you do the same thing where there's a bit more privacy in a different medium or a different uh, environment to share it in. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, because a poem, for example, is like the most vulnerable... Well, I would think is the most vulnerable art form right there's nothing it's just that's it i don't know I, do you think differently maybe um i find it really vulnerable yeah um but i think because of that my poetry is quite abstract right yeah i like i deliberately knit it very tightly yeah um so the style is different yeah 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 I, I love that phrase cloaking that's it's something we all do but not maybe not so consciously but that sounds really fascinating oh, thank you. your process just yeah yeah thank I'm, you so much 
Awesome. But I really, um, I really love keeping the house. I think the language is really rich. The descriptions are really just beautiful. And the characters, you actually can see everything very much in 3D. Yesterday I treated myself and was listening to the audiobook. Um, and I really enjoyed just sort of cooking and just listening. And there's so much food in there. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to write Keeping the House? Um, I think it was an act of love. I, I really wanted to archive my like the different communities that have like, kept me on my feet and I feel like that's what keeping the house was for me so some of it was just paying attention to the things I adore going to like mates mum's houses and like they'll pass on recipes and stuff like that so I'm, I'm happy that you're like cooking while you're listening to the audiobook yeah there's a lot of amazing food descriptions in there it's a real sort of sense of home in there um, can you talk to me a little bit about that? What it, where is home for you? Or where do you feel at home? Or is there home? Is home in this book? Or I've been displaced a lot in my life, so I think having something that I could attach all the brief moments of home that I've experienced um, to was helpful because I was then able to see that even though things were brief or like. Um, I've moved house so many times growing up, like so many times. Um, but keeping the house feels very solid and and that's um, what's the word? That's stable. Um, it's if you haven't had a home every day, every day for your whole life, that's felt super safe and comfortable. You can fantasize about what that could look like, and mm. you can also like. Um, you know, give a kiss to the ones that understand and have been through what you've been through. Mm. Mm. So I'm like very deeply thinking about <laughs> what you're thinking. Would you mind giving us a reading from, from the book for anyone that would like to hear oh, that? Sure. I would love to hear um, that. And also like, uh, I just want to give quick props to you. You were my first blurb. Really? So, yeah, yeah, the very first one that was came was like the in. first out of the game. And I was like, the, the book is... Uh, it, I'm happy now. Like I felt really happy. What was my blurb? In. What did I say? Was I nice? You, you were lovely. <laughs> it's a, a, yeah, a powerful debut. I loved it. it ah, a, <laughs> there you go. Right at the back. It was, a, it was longer than that, actually. There's like the full ones on the website. <laughs> send you like a whole email. <laughs> Probably. Mm, I'm just trying to think where to read from. What vibe are we on? Um, so like one page or two pages? Two pages. Two pages. Okay. <laughs> okay. One moment. I. So the bit that I'm going to read from is. I guess that it's it's the first page. I think it, it makes the most. I wrote this page and haven't didn't change. I've barely changed it in the edit. Um. It, and it. I feel that's quite rare with the rest of the book like yeah. a lot of stuff shifted but this uh this kind of remained the same and where were you when when the page came to you were you at home were you writing on the i was on the train oh nice so yeah. you're but vicky line <laughs> <laughs> on the victoria line yeah, yeah. Vicky. going from where to where i was going from oxford circus to seven sisters and did you type it into your phone in your notes or yes. yeah. oh, i love that yeah, and I've still got the same phone with the same like notes in there, which is. And this nice. was the page you wrote, and this yeah. was the first page. Yeah. Oh, how special is that? Okay, I'm going to listen. I'm listening. Thank you. Keeping the house, 1999. 
careful. When you turn your eyes towards someone, you allow them the chance to turn theirs on you. The first time I spoke to my neighbour, I tried to memorise his salt-cracked lips while I had the chance to stare. He called me sweet child and tucked his thumb under my chin. I asked him why he played his music so loudly. Didn't it hurt his ears? He leant forwards and told me that it feels best when your ears ring sick. I watched his nails dig into the brick that boxed off his home from mine. His veins jumped and moved in his hands, and he gripped the border between us to still himself. Following these veins, from the curves of his biceps to the brick wall, I thought to myself, they're pointed at me. Whenever I got back home and Anne wasn't there, my brother and sister would float around me. Have something cooking by six, she'll be proud. We'd sit with her while she sipped from a glass of rosé. Her hands shook with plans. At the hairdressers before work, they told her she should move out of the area. Business would be better if her clients were more upmarket. We'd grow up better. When she mentioned it to us, I thumbed my feet and hoped she wouldn't notice that we'd burnt what was in the oven. Inevitable. She tucked her hair behind her ears and put down her emptied glass. Asking me to come over to her in the kitchen, she showed me that I hadn't cut the chicken properly. It still had its bum and we don't cook chicken like that. We're clean people. You can't serve a chicken bum. She sliced greasy hairy skin from the half-roasted carcass and chucked it in the bin, never dirty in her nails. They were filed down, painted chicken pink, and she refused to let them chip. Her feet were hard from standing all day. Still, she kept them pretty painted for clients. The half-cooked chicken bum warmed the bin. Our dinner seemed to taste of its smell. She asked if we had homework to do and we lied so we could stay with her. Grease never touched her lips when she ate. Like her, I tried to eat slowly, but the chicken went cold. She fussed over us on those evenings, watching the dishes and checking we were watching TV in peace. Before bed, when she came to collect us from the sitting room, I asked her what time she'd be coming home tomorrow. She said she's not like those other mums, able to do house stuff all day. When she came home, she would walk in smelling of cigarettes, late. The hard leather of her heels clunked in the hallway before she put her shoes away and put on slippers. As I got older, her late nights gave me time to stay out after school. Such a beautiful reading yeah, voice. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's like, could you just read the whole book and yeah. just like, <laughs> just listen. <laughs> in in the audio book, you're reading parts of that as well. Yeah. So um, apparently, I have a slower than average voice for a human. Um, <laughs> so I actually I auditioned to do the whole audio book, and they're like, it's just too slow. Like we'd be here for five days. Um, <laughs> So um, I have done the Turkish and the Kurmanji Turkish Cypriot that you hear in the book, uh, sorry, in the audio book, and also all the 
poems. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, it's really, be- really beautiful. It was I really felt like enjoyed a nice it. Collaboration. You know. Yeah. The girl that came on board, Serena, was really wonderful as well. Yeah. Do you listen to audiobooks? Have you got any suggestions or any recommendations? Does anyone else into audiobooks here? I got really into them in lockdown and they've become like my thing. I like I can't cook now without having a book on. Like I need to Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really like that. But it goes with my brain. Mm. I I've got I've got a very busy brain, so I like the idea that I'm reading a book whilst also, you know, making a if, if it's soup. a complicated book, I feel like a audiobook's really helpful. Yeah. Um Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. I listened to that as an audiobook. Oh so it was really beautiful. That's a really good that's a really good suggestion. It's amazing. That's an amazing book. Intricate oh that'd be such mm. a good audiobook. Thanks for that. Oh, I'm welcome. gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my on my on my little list of audiobooks. Yeah. Okay, should we have a little bit of music and then we'll come back with some more chat. You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. And we are gonna play something by the wonderful Tracy Chapman. All that you have is your soul. She says she learned the hard way Says she wanna spare the children She said don't give a say your soul away Cause all that you have is your soul so Don't be tempted by the shiny apple don't you eat of a bitter fruit Hunger only for a taste of justice Hunger only for a world of truth Cause all that you have is your soul I was a pretty young girl once I had dreams, I had high hopes Married a man who stole my heart away Gave his love, but what a high price I paid And all that you have is your soul Don't be tempted by the shiny apple Don't you eat of a bitter fruit Hunger only for a taste of justice Hunger only for a world of truth Cause all that you have is your soul Why was I such a young fool? Thought I'd make history, making babies was the best I could do. Thought I made something could be mine forever. Another hard way one can't possess another. And all that you have is your soul. Don't be tempted by the shiny apple. Don't you eat of a bitter fruit. Hunger only for a taste of justice Hunger only for a world of truth Cause all that you have is your soul 
I thought, thought I could find a way Be the system, make a deal and have no debts to pay Take it all, I take it all, how to run away Leave myself, first class and first rate And all that you have is your soul Don't be tempted by the shiny apple Don't you eat of a bit of food Hunger only for a taste of justice Hunger only for a world of truth Cause all that you have is your soul Here I am, I'm waiting for a better day Second chance, a little luck to come my way Hope the dream Hope that I can sleep again Wake in a world with a clear conscience and clean hands Cause all, all that you have is your soul Don't be tempted by the shiny apple Don't you eat up a bit of food Hunger only for a taste of justice Hunger only for a world of truth Cause all that you have is your soul Oh, my mama told me Cause she said she learned the hard way Said she wanna spare the children She said don't give a say your soul away Cause all that you have Is your soul All that you have All that you have All that you have Is your soul Show me the feeling. Oh, 
one, you got me wrong. If you don't belong, live in the trouble. Don't hesitate. Time heals the pain. You ain't the problem. I live the lie, love is the crime. It's you I believe in. No need to blame myself, no need to die. I'm only human. I'm done, you got to put me on. I know when you come along. Don't hesitate. listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. As we've mentioned, you can get us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Roaring Twenties Radio and the twenties is two zero S. We're not on TikTok yet, are we? We're, no. not, we're not that cool. No. Not that cool. No. Um, so this month, uh, as we did last month in October, is a Black History Month special and we just wanted to have a little chat about Black History Month and what it does or doesn't mean and what we like about it, what we don't like about it. Just interested to hear what everyone thinks, really. Um... What do you reckon, Selena? Do you want to start us off? Um, I um, I don't know what I feel about Black History Month or even International Women's Month or any of these things because as soon as it comes around, my my brain goes into alarm about the things that I'm being asked to do or the things I'm being asked to do. I don't like the way that we become content to shift and move things uh, in a sense where we weren't relevant a week, the day before, but because it's Black History Month or International Women's Day or whatever, then, then oh, you're the flavour. I don't like being put on a pedestal. I don't like flavour of the month. It's a horrible feeling to be flavour of the month because you know you won't be flavour of the month next month. It's a horrible feeling to be seen and then not seen again. It's like, oh, you could see me when you needed 
it to be a thing for your thing, but now you can't see me again. What they're basically doing is showing us how they can choose when they want to see us or see people in 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 a favorable light or give someone a front page or give someone a a big platform or give someone a big money gig or give someone a big boost because it goes with the date on the calendar that someone else has said i'm i find that all very strange um and i i i on the other hand because i am as you know someone that thinks optimistically and tries to find the good in thing and the good in people i think in another way it's a way of doing a wave a wave of love and like a, a like the everyone just pushing and plugging and boosting each other's work under those hashtags and under those those dates but there is a piece of me that does take it a little bit with a pinch of salt what do you think <laughs> good start <laughs> you know I, I i think i largely yeah i really do agree with you i'm really ambivalent about black history month um like you is that thing of if there's a window in time it's almost like a race to see especially like something like pride month for example has become really really corporatized and then you see it's a race to see which um multinational is going to take down their rainbow flag livery first on the first you know on the first of july you know which one's going to get it down first it's a race it's over now you've had your time and we'll, we'll take it down and then similarly with black history month first of november it's it's kind of it's gone um and then there's also that thing of you spend the first couple of days of Black History Month, or well, I, I do, tenderly, because I'm on social media quite a lot, wo- worrying about when the first, when's when's White History Month yeah. uh, post that you're going to see. And it feels almost as if it's become a bit of a target and kind of losing its point. So that makes me a little bit nervous and, and sort of anxious. But at the same time, there's a, there's a proverb and I can't remember which language it's come from. It's, it's, def- it's an African proverb that says that until the lion learns to write, every story will glorify the hunter. Yes. And so there is a very important point to Black History Month about reclaiming narratives and getting stories out there, changing canon so that stories are out there for people to find in the future. I did. It's you know, yeah. <laughs> it's on. It's an uneasy. I like it, but I'm uneasy. With. Yeah. Actually, I've just remembered a headline I saw this week. Uh, Mallory Blackman is trying to push for Black History Month to be taught all year, as in Black History to be taught mm. all year, which is phenomenal, which is amazing, which would be stunning because there's so much we haven't been taught and aren't told about. And, you know, and we just you, you tend to hear about your ancestry from your grandparents, not in the classroom. Um, so that would be amazing. She's amazing. What what a legend. I think the onus needs to be on non-black people to support change makers, black change makers who are making efforts to shift long-term curriculums. And I think the positive that I can see in Black History Month is that it's a moment where these companies can get finessed and people can use that moment to hopefully implement long-term change. Um, Maybe having something all year round that sprung off the back of that one collaboration that happened during that month could be helpful. But um, yeah, I think there's far too much pressure on black people to be the people that initiate that without any support. Mm. And it's, it's very mentally grueling. 
Mm. From what I've been told from my friends. Mm. Yeah, and how do you feel about language and words? For for example, um, the word woke has completely been been bastardized and changed. So now woke is an insult. Um, anybody got any thoughts or feelings on that? On the on the language and the and the way way things are changing so rapidly. Uh, woke woke being bastardized in that way is just is just ridiculous. And the fact that woke was. Um, was an African American term from the 1950s, as far as I'm aware. I think it was the 1950s. The, the fact that even that has been completely ignored is 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 infuriating. But I feel like the whole discourse is so binary and so divided and so fractious. And I know that a lot of that is just on social media and, and when you watch the news. But you can't help but feel it. And the thing is, Rick, I know, like you know, the first few days you're wondering when's the first person going to say when's White History Month. I know that quite a few of my followers, for one reason or other, would say that. And I, uh, obviously, as a white person, I, I, I champion. I like to champion um, black artists all all year round. Like I, that is something that I, I love to do. But I, I do promote Black History Month just because I feel like it's important that that space is taken up and I'm hoping that people will maybe discover an artist or an activist or a cause during that month that they then follow and and it's a gradual change and every year those connections are stronger and stronger but I am acutely aware that people might see me as being virtue signalling or or, or doing it like, you know, doing it for, for, the, for my own reasons rather than for the overall and, and so I feel... I'm not trying to do it as well as me, but like, there's so everyone's out to get you and question and criticize, aren't you? And that's the thing with Black History Month. It is as much as it's a wonderful celebration, it is a target, like you say. But it's so important, um, and for it to be taught all year round. I, as a, I never realized how white history was. Like, there's no such thing as white history, is it? It's just history, right? And as a, as a child, I had no idea. Particularly British as well, right? The way that we teach the history of the world, it's utterly insane and I, I never realized that and I, I think if every black black history month is a step further towards black history just being part of history then it can only be a good thing but yeah terms like wo- like walkery and the the, the walkists and uh, like, was it suella breverman who said the the tofu wa- walkerati tofu eating walker wokerati yeah, no guardian sure. reading tofu eating good wokerati fair play doesn't forget the guardian reading but then I- then it almost becomes a badge of honor and it sort of goes full circle, but then that's being misappropriated, and it, it's it's it's. When she said that, it really reminded me of a piece of script from nineteen um, eighties comedy. Um, Rick Mail in the Young Ones. I don't know if you remember the Young Ones. Have I you ever do. Seen? And I seem to remember him doing saying something like tofu eating, muesli hat wearing. So whoever is writing the scripts for these these people i really think that there's someone that's watching a lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, satire and watching a lot of 1980s satire or even modern satire like uh, the thick of it or or uh, you know house of yeah anyway i don't want to go down that thought <laughs> because that starts to annoy me where it's actually like we're we're actually living in a satire yeah. we're living in a really weird episode and i want it to stop now <laughs> there's no rules anymore is there there's no, no yeah. it's just everything it's just everything nothing's off the table it's just yeah but I just, it's really funny though because particularly that that word that term woke yeah okay like like matt was saying it, it's it's um african-american vernacular english it's then been corrupted it's then become this this 
label that people on the right of centre will attach to anything that they disagree with. So the climate movement is woke and um, queer people are woke and uh, anything to do with social justice is woke. But the problem is when you do that, what you, I don't know whether they see this or not, uh, whether probably don't, but when you do that, you automatically give everybody that you don't like a reason to band together against you and if you do that then they won't have the numbers so it just seems really self-defeating i just don't understand if you use it as it was intended don't use it like that because that just makes everybody your enemy yeah um which just seems insane so everyone that gives a shit is woke (laughs) well i'd rather be awake i'd rather be really awake than than whatever the whatever the other option is but so many people are proudly anti-woke yeah and then will be less receptive to Black History Month or, or Pride Month because oh it's that war, it's all this woke rubbish oh it's, oh, it's woke it's been shoved down before and and so then it, it creates this culture war that as 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 the opposite side of this and it's really infuriating but I, I do I do think it'll pass it's only a fad in it I hope so mm-hmm. I hope yeah fascism it's just a fad it's bre- bre- <laughs> <laughs> bre- they'll, they'll bre- grow out of it yeah <laughs> on the bless them on the misappropriation of the word woke I think that's why self-archiving and self-documenting is so important um you know organizations like No Signal um an amazing black radio station based in Tottenham and um writers like uh Anifiek Ekpidom he um but a large part of the fact the way that he interviews so many different um black musicians from around the world but mainly in Britain is to kind of tell the truth before it's twisted and and I think that's really important because if there's a trace of what it is that um, was coined by a black person first written by a black person um, that can kind of protect against uh, this deliberate misinformation that just keeps happening with um, biased fascist media You've got such wise words. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, so um, we're going to have a little bit of music now. We're going to listen to the new track that's just come out with uh, Benjamin Clementine. Are you fans of Benjamin? I, I think I think he's got yeah, he's got he's got such a powerful mm. voice, and uh, yeah, just really yeah. I I don't know. Whenever I listen to Benjamin Clementine, I always imagine sort of the son of Nina Simone. He isn't, but I always imagine that. <laughs> so let's hear that next. Here we go again. Here we go again. Up the ball goes, still gravity intervene. Do the best you can, but nothing's guaranteed. We lean, we learn, we earn, we turn, we burn. We lean, we learn, we earn, we turn, we burn. Then start again. Cause we're delighted. Oh, I can't count with my scissors like fingers The amount of times I've been here But I'm sure I'll get to the bottom of it Someday 
With all due respect to those I've caused so much pain If I were given a second chance, I would do it all again Up the ball goes, till gravity intervenes Do the best you can, but nothing's guaranteed We live, we learn, we earn, we turn, we burn Start again Cause we're delighted Oh We go again Cause we're delighted Oh The consequences are yours And the frequencies are yours The possibilities are yours Cause the vision is yours We lean, we learn, we earn, we turn, we burn We lean, we learn, we earn, we turn, we burn Then start again Cause we're delighted Start again Cause we're delighted Ooh. That's the glorious Benjamin Clementine here on Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. We're coming to the end of our October show. I'm very excited because coming up we're going to have fireworks and bonfires and Halloween. Does anyone, do any of you get into that, any of that? Lenny you Halloween. Not as much as you. I love a little bit of witchy, witchy time. Do you have a cauldron? <laughs> I do have a cauldron and I do have my witch's hat. No, I, I, I yeah. I think it's more um, the, the kind of the 1st of November and Mexican Day of the Dead and, yeah. and all of that. I really feel like the, the, the veil is thin. Mm. And just, yeah, I, I, I get quite excited about it all. Anyway, I should probably say less before they burn me as a witch. <laughs> Um, so, just before we finish off, uh, I just wanted to ask uh, both of you, uh, starting with you, Rick, anyone you want to roar about or shout about, whether it's for Black History Month or just in general? Anyone you want to just say various? There was a mention of Nina Simone just now, and I just think um, if anyone hasn't seen it, there's a fantastic documentary on Disney Plus, Summer of Soul. Um, Nina Simone is fe- features black archive footage from... Uh, Harlem Music Festival 1969 um, that was basically lost for 50 years and then repackaged into a documentary it is the most fantastic thing to watch yeah so. that's the one where everyone goes on, on about Woodstock and that other thing was going on but yeah yeah, it's, yeah. it's a fantastic documentary so it's on Disney Plus is it's it it's on Disney Plus oh yeah. lovely how, lovely suggestion how about yourself TJ um, uh, props to uh, Waylon McKenzie. He's um, just released Asata's Chant with his production comp- company Nello and them. Um, I think it's really important to support things like that. I was with him when he was uh, recording some of the series, and it's just completely self-funded, and he's just done it all off off of his own 
very close research just really fantastic and um also just another hurrah for losing the plot by Derek Owusu it's coming out next week so I'm really happy for him awesome yeah. awesome I want to shout out um, Ioni Smallhorn, who's a poet uh, based in Nottingham. Who she's brilliant, and also Ashley Hicks and Lovins. His latest book, Your Show, about Uriah Rennie, is a fantastic novel as well. Yes. So I wanted to shout about that. Um, that's really good. And I've just got one thing that I've got to tell you about before we go, and that is that this week is the Big Big Letters Live event at the Royal Albert Hall, the 27th and 28th of October. Royal Albert Hall is all for the Choose Love charity, um, headed by your man, your man, Benedict Cumberbatch, and there's just going to be a star-studded event, reading Letters Live. Make sure you get your tickets for that. Amazing, amazing lineup of amazing actors and writers and all sorts of people raising money for Choose Love and... And I will be there and I will see you there. Royal Albert Hall, 27th, 28th this week. And we'll be back on the 19th of November and we are going to close off with Nina Simone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, TJ. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, cinnamon, where are you going to run to? Cinnamon. Where you gonna run to? Where you gonna run to? All on that day, will I run to the rock? Please hide me and run to the rock. Please hide me and run to the rock. Please hide me, Lord. All on that day, but the rock cried out. I can't hide you, the rock cried out. I can't hide you, the rock cried out. I ain't gonna hide you down All on that day I said, Rock What's the matter with you, Rock? Don't you see I need you, Rock? Lord, Lord, Lord All on that day So I ran to the river It was bleeding to run to the sea It was bleeding to run to the sea It was bleeding all on that day So I ran to the river It was boiling around to the sea It was boiling around to the sea It was boiling all on that day